1: You're listening to The Bears Brothers Podcast and Postgame Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm finally back from our weekend trip down to Miami. I just want to thank all the fans that came to the game with us, and a huge thank you to some of their fans as well that headed over to our section to introduce themselves. You know, it was a lot of fun getting to meet some other Bears fans down in the Sunshine State. Today, I'm joined by my fellow Bears brother, Nicholas Moriano, and of course, it's Wednesday, and this is our first podcast of the week besides the post-game show, which means we're a little bit behind schedule, but Nick and I are finally excited to kick off our Week 7 preview as it's time to meet the New England Patriots. To help us do just that, we're joined by the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. He's also a contributor over at Inside the Pylon. His name is Mark Schofield. And Mark, I just want to thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, I want to know, how's it going and what a game on Monday.
2: Well, Nick, well, first off, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, it it was a a fascinating game we saw from the New England Patriots get on a chance to sort of go up against a team like Kansas City, um, really sort of a stiff test um, with that offense and Patrick Mahomes and what they can do on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, the Patriots certainly got some breaks that went their way. Mahomes made some mistakes early, allowed them to build that 24-9 lead, but it was just a fascinating game of football. And it, it was one of those where you were able, at least I was for parts of it, to take the sort of fan hat off, put the more analyst hat on, and just appreciate the fact that these are two very good teams, two really good quarterbacks, two really good offenses, mm-hmm. giving it everything that they had. And I wouldn't be surprised if those two teams end up meeting again down the road.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. You know, we wear the same kind of two hat system here. First, you know, I have the fan hat. Then of course the analyst hat. And it's a lot of fun, especially when you can kind of put one on and take the other off, et cetera, like you just mentioned. But we have a couple handfuls of questions about the Patriots on both sides of the ball. You ready to get going? Let's do it. Great. Nick, I want you to kick things off because I know you have a two-parter that I'm very interested to get Mark's insight on.
3: Yeah, so Mark, uh, like Will said, I do have a two-part question for you, and it has to deal with Sony Michelle, who has 316 rushing yards and four touchdowns over the last three games. Why has a running game been so effective for the Patriots, and especially for Sony Michelle? first question? And also, what is your confidence level in the Patriots being able to establish that run against the Bears defense that is coming off an overall bad game against the Dolphins?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a great question, Nick, especially the Sony michelle part, and I'll start there. there. And what we saw from the first couple of weeks with Michelle, um, obviously it was coming off the knee injury, so we missed some time in the preseason, which I think contributed to some of what I'm about to talk about. But there was a two-part problem with the run game with Michelle. First, there was some predictability to the Patriots offense with Michelle in the game. I think 70 or 80% of the time he was on the field in those first three weeks, he was getting the ball in some form, whether it was via a handoff or they were forcing targets to him in the passing game. So that was number one. He was on the field. The defense just knew he's going to get the ball, chances are. Number two, every time he ran it, single back Brady under center. Every single time and so if a defense saw him on the field they were pretty sure he was going to get the ball and if they saw Brady under center they were pretty sure it was going to be a run and play they switched away from that over the past couple of weeks including against Kansas City on Sunday you saw a lot more shotgun runs with him so they gave it more of a versatile look to the offense to the formations to the designs keeping the defense off key so that was one big thing Nick the other thing with him is it took a while for him to realize, and you see this in quarterbacks too, the difference between a hole in the college game and what a hole in the NFL looks like. Because he's used to running against some you know, defenses that aren't going to be able to stop the run. He's running behind an offensive line at of Georgia with guys like Isaiah Wynn, another Patriots draft choice, that were opening up huge holes for him. He wasn't seeing holes like that over his first couple of weeks. And so because of the layoff, because of the fact he missed preseason, he wasn't used to identifying holes in the National Football League. Now he's seeing those. He's doing a much better job of sort of getting skinny, getting through those tiny creases, and that gets him to the second level where then he can put a move on a defender at the second or third level, whether it's a linebacker or a safety. So those are the two things that have allowed this Patriots run game to get going. Now, they can they continue that? I'd like to think so. You know, obviously, one of the big question marks about this game between these teams is what's going to happen. You know, with Khalil Mack, is the ankle going to be ready? Is he going to be able to go? Is he going to be at 100%? That's obviously a huge thing because the Patriots' right tackle situation is a bit of a question mark. Marcus Cannon out with a concussion, got knocked out of the Kansas City game. You might be seeing Adrian Waddle. So I do think the Patriots are going to try to establish the run as much as they can, particularly if Mack can go, and they're going to do the quick passing game stuff, which they love. Can they establish the run? I'd like to think that they can, given what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But, you know, this is a Bears defense that prides itself on the ability to stop the run with Mack, with Smith, with Hicks. It's a great defensive unit. And so that's going to be a huge question for this game.
1: Yeah, you can tell you're already kind of starting to do your homework. they naming all these Bears, you know, in the front seven. I just have a couple of questions about the passing game. A couple of weeks back, Josh Gordon. He made his debut there in New England, and since then, he's caught nine balls for about 124 yards and a touchdown. And I've seen reports and articles saying that he's actually starting to earn some of that Tom Brady trust. So I want to know, like, how has his presence been received in New England, and how has Josh Gordon changed this offense's potential?
2: Well, it's, it's a great question, Will, and it's he's been received incredibly well. You know, They put his locker right next to Tom Brady's. And so there's already sort of that institutional desire to sort of get him into the circle, get him into the fold, sort of wrap their arms around him collectively as an organization, because that's one of the best ways to sort of keep him as Al Michaels termed it on that game Sunday night and sort of on the straight and narrow, because, you know, we all know Josh Gordon sort of off the field issues and sort of the demons that he's been dealing with. And obviously, you know, having an environment and an organization around him that's going to give him that sort of environment of trust is going to go a long way towards keeping him away from, the demons that have haunted him in the past. And so I think the organization has taken those strides to put a good environment in place around him. Now what he's meant to them on the field is huge. And I don't, I don't think I can you know, really sort of understate what he has meant for this offense, because when they had those first couple of games without Edelman, without Gordon, you know, you were seeing a lot of Chris Hogan against Jalen Ramsey type situations. Chris Hogan is a fine piece type receiver. He's a fine wide receiver two, wide receiver three type who can get open against cornerback two, cornerback three. But if he's drawn your best guy, it's all going to trickle downhill. It's not a good matchup for the New England Patriots and an offensive system that prides itself on getting matchups and then exploiting them as best as they can. And so now with the addition of Gordon, you're seeing some safety help rolled his way. You're seeing more one-on-one situation for guys like Hogan and even Edelman against other cornerbacks, which are matchups that they're more able to exploit. You're seeing less safety help over the top of Rob Gronkowski as well. You know, look back at how that game ended against Kansas city Gronkowski in the slot on a seam route with no safety help and a, cover one situation that's the type of stuff that the Patriots want to do so much of and having Gordon on that roster having him on the field getting him in like you said Will to that Brady circle of trust has been huge for this offense
1: And you already kind of hit on you know Julian Edelman it seems like he's really opened up this offense because you know after his suspension and the two games that he's played you know he's only had about 50 yards each Um, but more importantly at least for you guys uh, Tom Brady he's thrown at about 340 yards in each of those games and When I look back at what the Bears did against Miami and all the missed tackles in the open field, that's where I start sweating because I look at Julian Edelman as that guy who can catch those underneath balls, make plays in space, but can you explain to our listeners how Edelman has opened up this offense a little bit more since his arrival as well?
2: Well, part of it is so much what the Patriots like to do on offense evolves around the idea of option routes where you've got a receiver in the slot, primarily Julian Edelman is the guy that does this, and his route will be determined based on the coverage. So if he sees man coverage, he's going to do one thing. If he sees zone coverage, he's going to do another. And there's a necessity for the quarterback and the receiver to be on the same page in those moments. And Brady and Edelman have played together forever, it seems like. And they know each other's moves inside and out. So they know you know, they're going to be on the same page on each of those moments. Now when you have guys like you know Chris Hogan trying to do that, or Seth trying to do that, who are in unfamiliar roles – it breeds uncertainty and brings uncertainty into the equation. And then Brady starts to think, I can't trust that I know where these guys are going to be on these types of routes. So I got to go elsewhere. And when you factor that all in with some of the stuff we were just talking about, It makes this offense not click, and this offense needs to click because it does so much predicated on timing and rhythm and the receivers being on the right spot and Brady trusting that they're going to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And so that's what Edelman does for this offense. I mean, one of New England's basic plays is a play called Hoss wide juke where you have outside receiver on each side running a hitch route, slot receivers running seam routes, and then that wide receiver, who in this case would be Edelman, on that sort of juke option route. They will run it 20, 25 times a game. You know, But if they can't get the guys to execute that play, one of their bread and butter staples is taken out of the playbook. And, and that's a tough thing for any offense, including one like the Patriots.
3: Yes, Mark, and you mentioned a lot of uh, just what this offense is predicated on. You said a lot of those option routes. And I want to take this question to where, where have you seen this Patriots offense kind of struggle? I know in the first two weeks they were missing a lot of key players, didn't have Edelman, didn't have Gordon at the time. But what has been... I guess maybe a kryptonite for a Tom Brady's offense. And even though it doesn't seem like there is one, but what have you seen maybe over the years or even just this year where defenses will give the Patriots offense a little bit of trouble with.
2: Well, there's always been two sort of books on defending Tom Brady um, that teams try to replicate as much as possible. One is to sort of crowd the middle of the field. And one of the coaches that always gave Brady the toughest time was Rex Ryan. When it was, he was a defensive coordinator with the Ravens, later a head coach with the Jets and the Bills. And what Ryan would do was to take away those routes in the middle of the field, like those option routes. So he would basically defend between the hashes, even between the numbers, and basically say, you're not throwing here. I'll give you the stuff to the boundary. That's not what you like to throw, Tom. Tom likes to throw those quick option routes, those quick little band-aid post routes or seam routes to Gronkowski. He doesn't like to push the ball downfield or to the boundaries as much. And so Ryan would stress taking that away from him. That was always one way to sort of slow down what Brady likes to do. Another way is interior pressure, and it's, it's a book on many quarterbacks, but it's one of those things that Brady definitely struggles with. He can handle edge pressure. And he's not the most athletic guy, of course, but he's very adept at moving, sliding, and climbing in the pocket. But if he gets forced off his spot quickly in a play, that disrupts the timing. And again, like I said, this is an offense that's built on timing and rhythm in the pass game. If he's moved off his spot because of quick interior pressure, that's when you see him start to struggle. That's when you see him have to set and reset his feet, the accuracy sometimes dips. Sometimes he's forced to make throws quicker than he wants to. And a prime example of this is if you go back to week two against Jacksonville on their open and drive, they had a third and short third and four, third and five, and he had a quick out route to Chris Hogan that was open, but he has a quick, immediate A-gap pressure, he backfoots the throw, he kind of lofts it towards the sideline, it goes incomplete, they miss and are forced to punt. That's a prime example of a team, getting that quick A-gap pressure, disrupting a play and getting Brady into his uncomfort zone to put it that way.
1: Yeah, good stuff and uh, speaking of uncomfort zones, I'm getting a little uncomfortable looking at your third down offense because Over the last three games, New England, they're converting on about 60% of third downs, and obviously no coincidence that you guys have won three straight. So what's been the key to success for this offense to keep the chains moving and converting on third down rather consistently?
2: Yeah, it's been a big part to their sort of three-game win streak here, Will. And part of it has been the growth of Sony Michelle. because you look at a lot of those third down nows, they're third and shorts so that he's converting. He had a huge third and one run against Kansas City where there was quick immediate pressure. He had Shaq Mason, the right guard, get kind of blown back into the backfield, but he was able to definitely step around that, bounce it to the edge and convert that. You know, these were the types of blocks that they weren't making or runs that they weren't making, it's saying that loss against Jacksonville and that loss against Detroit, they had two of shorts in that loss against Detroit, where they ran the ball to the right side and they got stopped. And so they're converting these. And so they're converting some stuff for the run game, but also you're seeing them convert some stuff from the past game. And a lot of it is sort of the addition of Edelman having him back, having Gronkowski back, you know, now Brady has, you know, his targets in the past game that he wants to hit. And so that certainly helps as well. And sort of the final schematic piece here, and this is an important one, is the ability of James White as another receiver out of the backfield for them, you know, because they love James White in the past game. They love to get him isolated on linebackers, on angle routes, on Texas routes, even just routes in the flat. Um, So that's another sort of critical component to this offense. And Brady loves to look to him to keep the sticks moving on those third down situations. So putting it all together, those have been some of the keys to third down for them in the past couple of weeks.
3: Mark, you briefly touched on the offensive line and you know, what gives Brady trouble. And it seems like for the weakness on this, Patriots offensive line is both the tackles position Trent Brown and Marcus Cannon uh, in terms of pass protection both have allowed double digit pressures this season but on the year the Patriots have done a really good job of keeping Brady upright only eight sacks this season but just curious what is it that these struggles uh, these tackles actually struggle with is it power speed just a, a repertoire of moves what does it have that you've seen this season.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Nick. And with Brown, it's quickness. With Brown, it's speed because he's a big, massive man. And, you know, if you get if he gets his hands on you, if he gets, you know, into your body, it's over. You know, but if he faces a speed rusher off the edge, if he's, you know, got somebody that's going to put a spin move on him or, you know, jab step to the outside and then try to cut inside, those are the moves that he tends to have some problems with. And so, you know, that's been it with Brown who, you know, like you said, Nick, and you set it up, it up pretty well. They give up some pressures, but what they do is they at least keep the shape of the pocket such that Brady has room to step up. The guys on in the interior, Dave Andrews, Shaq Mason, who I think is one of the better guards in the league, Joe Thuney, who's having a very good season, um, who coming into this year, people might have thought might have been the weak link on this roster. Somebody that looked, they drafted a guard in the first round and Isaiah win. Maybe they were looking, you know, to move on from Thuney. And so, you know, he's had a very good season as well. So those guys give Brady that room to step up. So if you do get that edge pressure, you know, say Trent Brown gets beaten with a sp- speed move, Brady has room to step up. So that's been kind of key to yeah they give pressures up, but they don't give up a ton of sacks with Mason. It's a mix of the two. He'll struggle at times with the speed moves. Sometimes he will struggle with more power moves and bull rushes and rip moves. Um, But he's been fairly solid. Again, a question mark for him is his health this week, because obviously if, if max anywhere near a hundred percent, you know, it's critical that the Patriots have somebody at the right tackle spot that can handle that. And I think cannon has a much better chance at doing that or at least kind of get in cleo max way long enough where brady can get rid of the ball then or adrian waddle who's a nice twin tackle six offensive lineman type but you know a, a matchup with him and cleo Mack is going to keep me up at night
3: yeah mark i mean you gave great insight in this offense but now i want to take it to the other side of the ball in this uh, new england patriots defense they rank 20th in yards allowed and 18th in points allowed What's been your take on new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, who's taken over from Matt Patricia, who you guys obviously played earlier this season. What's been your take on him so far?
2: You know, it's kind of hard to answer that question, Nick, in the sense that the Bill Belichick stamp is going to be all over this defense. And so it's hard to know from the outside looking in, you know, even going through interviews and, and press conferences and things like that, like how much of it is Belichick, how much of it is Flores. I will say that, you know, there has been, you know, an excitement level amongst the players that he's kind of freed up them to do more stuff, to be more aggressive, um, to use some more blitzes, some more stunts and packages like that, that maybe Matt Patricia wasn't using as much. There was a real excitement about this defense sort of coming into the year. Now in the past couple of weeks, they've done a lot more with dime packages. For example, you know, four weeks ago when they played Ryan Tannehill, you know, Tannehill attempted three passes, you know when the Patriots had their three-two-six package on the field, and that's a six defensive back package where they used Patrick Chun, their safety as sort of a swing player between a linebacker and a safety. You know Luck had, you know Stafford had had two pass attempts against that three-two-six package. Andrew Luck had thirty-two. Patrick Mahomes had fifteen. They've been using this package more and more and more, and they've been able to sort of stop the run. You know Indianapolis wasn't successful on the ground Kareem Hunt had I think like 80 yards on the ground but still they can stop the run with that 3-2-6 package but it gives them athletes on the field to defend quicker receivers and I think that's going to be something to watch for this week because you look at what the Bears have been doing recently obviously Taylor Gabriel becoming more of a receiving threat downfield you're seeing Tariq Cohen being used similarly to James White as the Patriots use him on those wheel routes on those Texas routes on those ankle routes they're getting Anthony Miller involved on those over routes they hit one for that touchdown on fourth quarter on that third and nine play and so you're looking at a an offense that you're going to need to have athletes on the field to try to defend so i would look for that three two six packages to be a big part of the patriots game plan this week
1: yeah really intriguing really interesting stuff there uh looking at your defensive front though, now it makes sense if you're only playing three defensive linemen why uh they haven't really been able to rack up a ton of sacks so far this season right now they have uh actually tied for the fewest sacks in the year in the the entire league with seven Um, but still they've actually I think according to ESPN's pressure pressure percentage uh, the Patriots have the second ranked pressure rate so far in the league but still bottom of the league in sacks it was pretty interesting guys like Claiborne Flowers and Wise they've been really bringing the heat but can you give some insight on the Patriots past rush and uh, why they haven't been able to hit home and despite that has it actually been effective so far this year?
2: You know, it's a good question, Will, and it's it's one that's sort of like vexed Patriots fans for years now. The pass rush has always been the one thing that they will point to and say, look, this is not where we want it to be. And I think – It's important to remember that it's a schematic choice at this point, I'd have to say, because, you know, the Patriots have historically struggled with mobile quarterbacks, and they're going to face another one this week in Mitchell Trubisky, who, you know, they will do some stuff in the designed run game that's going to give the Patriots some things to worry about. So they have stressed in recent years more of a pressure slash contain aspect to the pass rush than just purely getting after it and getting the other guy to the ground. They want to pressure you, sure. They want to speed up the quarterback's decision-making process. They will go zero blitz at times They did it with Patrick Mahomes a couple of times, but they more than anything want to prevent those scramble drill type situations where the quarterback is able to escape, to break contain and then hit for a big play downfield. When you're five, six, seven seconds into a play, it's hard for defensive backs. Even if you get six of them on the field to cover that lawn into a play. And so they really want to force the quarterback to stay contained to have few outlets to escape and then make throws from the pocket. And so if they can pressure you and get the ball out quick, great. If they can contain you while sort of pressuring you, but still forcing you to make a throw and not get home, they're going to be okay with that. And so that's kind of the thing to remember with this Patriots password. It's more designed to contain than really sort of get guys to the ground.
1: Sure. Uh, Looking at this defense as a whole, are there any like under the radar guys that maybe like New England Patriot fans or, you know, media know about that are more impactful than maybe the, you know, the national kind of outlook uh, kind of projects?
2: Yeah. And uh, I would start with Patrick Chun. And you sort of look at how the Patriots use him and trust him. You know, he's one of those Bill Belichick sort of guys that can fill various roles for this defense. You know, they use him as a safety. They will use him as a linebacker. You know, there was a run against Indianapolis where they basically had both Kyle Van Noy on one edge, Dante Hightower on the other, and they had him aligned as a middle linebacker. And he looked like a middle linebacker scraping down against the run, sifting through blocks, sifting through traffic and making a stop against the run. And so, you know, he's a critical part of what they do on the defensive side of the ball. You know, obviously guys in the back half like Devin McCourty and, you know, Daron Harmon, those are more, you know, household type names. So the other name I look to up front is Trey Flowers. And, you know, for Patriots fans, you know, he's sort of a guy that they're looking to as the guy that could perhaps take that leap as an edge defender type to sort of string together some pass rush moves. He's a very smart player. You watch that game against Kansas City. He's reading and stiffing out screens. He's getting his hands involved, his hands up, his hands active. You know, he's a player to definitely to watch as well in this New England Patriots defense.
3: Marcus, you probably know there are eight different players on the defense that have an interception, five in the secondary But this is a defense that has given up 24.7 points per game. And clearly, that's not all the secondary's fault. But just curious, how would you describe the play of the secondary uh, unit up to this point in the season?
2: You know, Nick, it's been up and down. And part of it is an issue that has plagued the secondary for years now, those crossing routes, those shallow crossing routes. Um, we saw that in Super Bowl 52. Uh, we saw it early against Jacksonville. We saw some of it against Detroit. You know, they have a tough time defending it, and part of it stems from, you know, you can't get home with four or three, so you have to blitz sometimes, so you're playing man coverage behind it. And guys like, you know, Jason McCourty and, you know, Jonathan Jones and rookie Keon Crossing, they might not be as athletic as some of the receivers that are tasked with covering, and so you just get a step or two of separation on those crossing routes, catch the ball with a full head of steam, and you're going to go for a distance. And so, you know, that's been one issue that has certainly, you know, given them fits. Another thing is last week. Look, you know, that Kansas City Chiefs offense, Tyreek Kill is a monster. He is so difficult to cover, and the Patriots really entered that game plan as we were going to take away Travis Kelsey. Period. Full stop. They jammed him. If he was split out wide, Dante Hightower would split out wide with him, jam him. They would have double team coverage on him almost every single time he ran a pass route. And if you look at that 75-yard touchdown throw to Tyreek Hill, you know, they went why iso They had Travis Kelsey by himself on the left side of the formation running a five-yard out, and there was no safety help on that deep over route from Tyreek Hill. And why? Because on that five-yard route, you had Patrick Chun and Devin McCourty double covering him. And, and so that's the kind of thing that the Patriots have sometimes exposed themselves to. They want to take a guy away, so they focus on him, but it's led them you know, to be susceptible to some other big plays. And that's going to be something to watch as we go to this game Sunday, because Belichick's going to enter this game wanting to take away something, whether it's Trey Burton, whether it's Tariq Cohen, whether it's Taylor Gabriel, whomever. And so do, you know, does Matt Nagy, do Mitchell Trubisky, do they identify that and get the ball out to the other options? If they do, they'll have some similar to success, like other teams have had the past couple of weeks.
1: Now, you just mentioned, you know, up and down in terms of the secondary and one word that, I keep coming across when looking at the Patriots' defense this season has been inconsistent. Uh, for example, they've had dominant performances against you know, like the, the Dolphins a couple weeks back. Uh, they had two strong first halves against the Colts and the Chiefs before becoming a little bit more malleable in the second halves of the game. Um, on the year two, the stats back this up. Newton gives up the fifth-least points in the first half of the game, uh, 8.7, but they drop all the way down to 28th in the second half, uh, giving up about 16 points per game in the second half. I want to know like, what's leading to that second-half drop-off.
2: You know, I think part of it is teams being able to sort of identify what the Patriots are doing and having an answer and a response for that. And you look at, you know, that that Chiefs game Sunday night is a prime example of it. You know, Andy Reid identified by halftime that, look, they were taking away Travis Kelsey. Okay. You know, we've got some other guys we, we, we can get the ball to. You know, we can design some routes and we can do some things schematically like that touchdown play I was just talking about where you put him on YI so he's going to, you know, He's going to attract that double coverage. And then you take advantage of that by running an over route from right to left, which is going to get over the top of that. And so you've got a safety roll down over it who can't then break back to help on Tyree kill. And so, you know, that's been some of the issue teams have been able to identify what the Patriots are doing against them and having a response and an answer for that. And I anticipate that, you know, Matt Nagy is going to have a similar type of idea in mind that look, if this is how they're going to play me, because look, Bill Belichick views, a, you know, functional move type tight end as the most disruptive thing to a defense that, you know, is always something he's been worried about is why he game plans against these guys like Kelsey. So we might have a similar game plan and effect for Trey Burton. And if so, you know, you're going to look to see those designs. Like, for example, that over route. You know, they use it with Tyreek Hill last week. Look for that from Anthony Miller, from Taylor Gabriel. Those are some designs that the Bears have used. And Trubisky has missed on some, like the miss against Seattle, you know, a miss against Arizona on that route. But he's come back to it. He's hit it in recent weeks. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, something like that in the game plan.
3: Mark, I was just in the Boston area about two weeks ago to visit a friend uh, who's going to graduate school there. And I really wanted to ask just, you know, Patriots fans, what is the, I guess, perception of the Bears and what is the confidence level in them? Be honest, because the last two times the Patriots have played the Bears, they've been god-awful for Bears fans to watch. But right now, seeing what the Bears are doing and what the Patriots are doing right now, what do you feel is the the confidence level going to this game for Patriots fans?
2: Well, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I for some of the work I do over at Pro Football Weekly, I do a piece every week breaking down Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy. And so, you know, I'm probably not the best sort of, gauge to answer that question because you know I'm I've been studying this team I see what they've been doing week in week out and I can tell you that look if you're asking me this is a game that worries me um as a Patriots fan because I can see you know the growth in Trubisky over the past couple of weeks I can see how this defense is going to even with a less than 100% Khalil Mack pose some problems for the Patriots I think generally speaking though For the most part, I think more knowledgeable Patriots fans see some of that as well. You know, they they obviously know who Khalil Mack is. This is a player that has given them some fits in the past, has done some things against this defense in the past when he was with this offense, excuse me, when he was with Oakland, that you know, there's a fear level there, you know. And obviously for Patriots fans, protecting Tom Brady is the thing that they care about most because if twelve goes down, number two ain't gonna cut it. Let's just be honest about it. And so, you know, obviously there's a concern level there. And I think, you know, when you listen to some of the comments that we've heard from Josh McDaniels, from Brian Flores, from, you know, Bill Belichick, who just today was basically saying one of those deep throws, you know, from Trubisky to Gabriel was like a 99 out of 100. He had to throw it within a matter of inches, and he did. You know, they're clearly talking this offense up and talking this guy up, and they're not just blowing smoke. I mean, they firmly believe that Trubisky is a mobile quarterback who will give them problems if they can't contain him. If he's able to get outside of the pocket, they've identified some of the weapons on this offense that they have to be worried about. And so I think that kind of trickles down to the point where Patriots fans realize for the most part that, yeah, this is a team that if you don't bring your A game, they're going to beat
1: you. That's really exciting to hear, at least, because, you know, as Bears fans over the past maybe three to four years, haven't had anything near that in terms of uh, hearing it from other opponents. So to hear it from, you know, some an organization like the Patriots for sure is very affirming for you know us. But uh, looking real quickly at the red zone, one more question about that defense because they did a great job of slowing down Kansas City in the red zone, only allowed touchdowns on two of their five red zone trips, and obviously a huge key for that victory. Uh, looking at the Bears, they had the fourth best red zone offense home, uh, scores in eighty seven percent of those trips at Soldier Field, which of course, that skewed a little bit with that huge performance against Tampa Bay. But what did New England do so well against Kansas City? Because we have a very similar offense here in Chicago, and I'm curious how they attacked it.
2: Yeah, and you know they they use some multiple looks down in the red zone, where you know for example the, the their interception um, right before halftime. That was one of those where you know they had. You know, Kelsey flexed out left as the third receiver in a trips, but he was still detached from the tack from the tackle. You know, they walked Hightower out over him. He jammed him. They had the double team bracket with Sean and Harmon over him. And Hightower was still able to get pressure on Mahomes, flush him, and he looked for Kelsey, who was double covered. So they gave him that look. They gave them some zero blitz stuff, where they went, they blitzed everybody, played you know straight man coverage with no safety help behind it. So they really sort of changed up their looks down in the red zone. Now the problem is, you know, Matt, Matt Nagy's done more with sort of the option stuff, the shovel stuff, things like that, that are making it a little bit tougher to sort of you can't really go zero blitz against that because it's going to have an answer for it. And so that's going to be the concern. You know, it's a, it's a good question, Nick. I do wonder how the Patriots are going to approach this offense in the red zone because they can do a lot more different stuff, you know, and they give you some more looks schematically than for example, they're going to see from Kansas city. And so that's going to be a critical question to watch for Sunday.
1: Mark, anything else about the Patriots that we should be aware of this week?
2: Well, I mean, I think we've hit on most of it. I mean, the one thing I will say is that, you know, from covering the Patriots over the past couple of years, you know, a lot of times
0: I'll finally,
2: I talked to other teams and, you know, other hosts like you guys and analysts. They always ask about, you know, Gronkowski and how tough he is to defend. And, you know, I I do think he's a bit slowed this year between the ankle injury. He seems to have perhaps lost a step in the sense that he could still get separation against most you know, defensive backs, safeties, linebacker types, but it's not the like pure breakaway speed that we used to see from him in the past. And so, you know, over the past couple of years, you wonder are teams going to bracket him? Are they really going to dedicate safety help over the top? I don't think you have to do as much of that now with him. He'll still get some opportunities. He had the big seam route at the end of that game, he had the crossing route where he basically threw Ron Parker out of the club with a stiff arm, <laughs> but those plays haven't been as frequent this year. And so that's something to keep in mind do they have to really dedicate extra help to Gronkowski or do they sort of just play him straight up you know that's something that I've been wondering about and you know I'm going to wonder if you know maybe we just see Roquan Smith on him and they say look young kid this is why we drafted you be an athletic linebacker and go shut this guy down that's a matchup I'm really curious to see if that materializes on Sunday
1: yeah no absolutely absolutely and Mark, I just have one more question for you. It's a two-parter. It's how I end every get to, you know, meet the opponent episode. And the first part is why will the New England Patriots win this week on Sunday?
2: Tom Brady. I mean, and it's kind of a simple answer to the, you know, any kind of question like that when it comes to the New England Patriots. But look, the guy just keeps getting it done. And, you know, uh, at this point, it's hard to come up with something new to say about this guy. And you know, so I'm not even going to try. I mean, he's one of the best there ever will be. Um, He plays the position so well. He rarely makes mistakes. And if they do, they're kind of odd. Let's just put it that way. I mean, that strip sack against Kansas City was just an odd play. You don't see Brady do something like that. It's just kind of a momentary lapse of reason to steal a Pink Floyd line. And, you know, know, if if they win, it's going to be because of number 12, I think.
1: All right. Makes absolutely every bit of sense in my book. Uh, But of course, the flip side of this question would be, uh, what do the Bears need to do to beat the Patriots? And of course, uh, like the recipe to success for the Patriots demise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's twofold. The defense has to give you a couple of, I mean, not even, you know, short fields, Um, but you got to get some stops. You know, you've got to, you know get them off the field on third down. You've got to get the ball back to Trubisky and stuff. And for Trubisky in the office, you got to play killing, you can't make mistakes, you can't give Tom Brady a short field, and you've got to get touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to beat the New England Patriots for the most part. And we I mean, we saw that, you know, what was one of the main differences in that game Sunday night the, the Kids City Chiefs settle for three field goals in the first half if they just scored a touchdown on one of those drives it's a completely different game and so field goals typically don't beat New England even when you're at home and they're on the road and so you know if you do get an opportunity you've got to get the ball into the end zone you can't settle for three
1: great excellent insight this whole episode this was like a really insightful episode you brought in a ton of great information about the Patriots so that's all the questions we have for you I just again want to Thank you on behalf of us and our listeners uh, just for the time that you took out this evening to share that firsthand account of the Patriots, Mark. Really appreciate it. Well,
2: uh, Well, Nick, thanks guys so much for having me. I really appreciate all the questions. Great stuff from you guys. You guys definitely did your homework. So keep crushing it. Keep up the great work, guys.
1: Hey, thank you so much. You as well. And real quick, Bears fans, if you want to kind of keep up on the Patriots throughout the week, definitely check out Mark's podcast. He does the Locked On Patriots. And of course, uh, he said he does a write-up on Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky every week for Pro Football Weekly. So if you want to catch up on that, uh, his Twitter is at Mark Schofield. Mark, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. So definitely check that out. And up next, we're going to go ahead and have our full game preview perfectly on schedule tomorrow on Thursday. But until then, Bear Down Chicago. (laughs) Bear Down Chicago!
0: Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at
1: fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.